We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 358. Our guest today is an avid horse lover from day one. She rode horses as a kid, but never received any formal instruction. As an adult, she shifted her focus into building successful careers and businesses, creating and growing a really famous and popular watch brand into a distinguished company that was later acquired by Fossil. Her most recent venture is the internationally adored SunSafe athletic wear Castel Denmark. Surprisingly, Charlotte only began training and riding with the focus of competition at age 35, which is certainly the exception for a rider of her level. Her joyful dedication to her horses, natural understanding of them as individuals, and drive to improve herself and her equine partners led her to nearly immediate success. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Charlotte Jorst. Hi, Charlotte. Hey, Bethany. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I am doing great. Just sitting Uh, here in Florida, my house. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's where you need to be at this hour. (laughs) <laughs> too hot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you riding super early in the morning right now you know I I'm not a really good early riser I know that that's not politically correct to say for a equestrian <laughs> um I actually do not like and you know here as opposed to Denmark it's like really dark at uh, so yeah. I try to get up at 7 30 and I try to be on the first horse at 7 15 mm-hmm. um but and and that's I that's a stretch for me already. So definitely not earlier than that. And I don't mind the heat so much. Yeah. So so it's okay. Yeah. I, I and maybe you're at a different farm now, but I feel like last time I was at your farm in Wellington, you do have a really nice covered. So I'm sure like that helps quite a bit. It helps tremendously. It's actually really not that bad. And then I just ride in very small increments. So I'll do like two, three minutes and then I'll walk yep. even for half a half a round and then I'll just start up again. So yeah. so I always keep check on um how much the horses are actually doing. But we totally. do sweat a lot. Um yeah. both, that's and I good. That's I'm healthy. really not a sweater. Hmm. I don't sweat a lot, but I do sweat here. (laughs) You can always count on Florida for that in the summer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, enough about the weather. I'm so excited to have you on. We've known each other for a a couple years, and I'm shocked I haven't had you on the podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time. I'd love to hear about how you first got started in the horse world. Yeah, the first, in the beginning, I um, I wrote, as a child I wrote ponies and then I you know we didn't have any money as I grew up so I stopped and then it was always my dream to to ride so when I had my first company I sat behind the desk for 25 years and just dreamt about riding and then um, my kids fortunately started riding and I started hunter jumper with them when I was in my kind of 40s and then um, when I sold that saved first company I was able to buy some really nice dressage horses and I started doing dressage and that's kind of when I started. So it was really kind of in my late forties. Wow. So it was really late. 
really, what was that really what was that learning curve like for you I mean did you feel like you were having to constantly play catch up uh, what what was the dynamic like for you physically and mentally kind of getting getting into the groove of dressage you know what this is a very good question because I still don't really feel like I'm into the groove I don't oh know if you ever feel <laughs> but I think that's the whole point of this I don't really feel that you ever really feel that you belong or you ever feel like you are like finished or not oh sure. now I belong it's not like that it's not like a Thursday afternoon and then you all of a sudden belong I feel like I always somewhat feel like an intruder and how it was to learn I remember I started with um Gunter Seidel and he had me ride with no stirrups for a year and a half wow. and and that was it was terrible <laughs> and I was in California and, and it was so bad and I was like and and I think he did it as much to see if I would really continue with this journey or not but the fact of the matter is I did learn and, and I do spend a tremendous amount of time trying to stay in shape um you know exercising and 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 doing healthy things for me and I think that has that has really helped me really be good at writing but I don't know that you ever feel that you completely belong mm -hmm. or or that you you and you certainly never feel that you can't learn anymore you know you're always on your on on a journey and, exactly. and it's always so humbling as soon as you think you have learned something then you know something new happens and you go to Aachen or something and then you see mm -hmm. other people ride and you go oh my god I have a lot of work to do wow. so I think it's that's kind of the way it is and I I feel like that's the way I think the day you stop growing and you stop looking over your shoulder that's the day you you're dead you know you you mm. can't ever you ne you can never stop I feel like it, it seems that m most people who achieve your level of skill and success tend to be professionals what is it like to be an amateur competing at the grand prix level the level that you do it's it's very challenging and you know especially mentally and I, I have had to um, I've had to really work with this because it is it is so difficult to feel that you belong. You know, it was a little bit. I remember I went to Rotterdam after I'd written like two years and there was Edward Gall and I'd only read read about him. So I was like, oh, my God, there is Edward Gall and I'm warming up with him. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I was so scared and intimidated and everything. But you just try to, you know, all you can do is, is try your best. It's still scary and intimidating and, and you still have all of those emotions and and it's really hard. But you, you just have to go in, in the ring and and do it. And it's funny because you only remember kind of the good things, I feel like. But when I go back and look at my old tests and stuff, I have many tests that weren't that good. So it's funny how you just kind of just put one foot in front of the other day after day after day. And all of a sudden it's kind of, Oh, now I'm, I'm kind of there almost. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's very interesting how that, yeah. how that now then I don't know if you saw, but I was number one ranked. It was at the, you know, at the one star level, but still one on two star level. I think I was number one for three months in a row. And it's such a competitive area you know the one in the two stars right and I that gave me such a sense of peace because it mm. kind of went oh okay I must I must be doing something right I was thinking totally yeah 
Tell me a little bit about your current training program. What are you working on with your trainers and horses to remain competitive at the top level of the sport? Yeah, obviously, the retirement in Nintendo was a very, very big, you know, um, mental thing for me because it yeah. was kind of that horse. So I was, I was devastated for months, and um, and of course that that renders you very insecure, and and you kind of wonder if if you know you you always hear about the the one horse wonders where you know people are never able to do it again. But mm. um, and I was really, really worried about that. Some some part of me is is still worried because I am so competitive. But I am I fortunate. I'm very fortunate to have a Zaplin, which is an incredible horse, and I have Budicelli, which is also finally coming into gear, and I have Fedeli, which is a mare that's also. So I, I think actually that knock on wood, if everything goes well, I'll have um, at least one or two. Um, Grand Prix horses next year wow. and um, and God knows if I'm gonna get a good score or you know if it's gonna be the same or but and, and that's okay but you know at least I'm working towards something and I'm having so much fun riding those horses and and I love them and and some level at me has now proved that that I can train a horse because I've had something since he was five and Right. And um, Federley I got when she was eight and Bodicelli when he was seven. So I have really had those and trained them myself and taught them everything. So from that sense, it gives me a really, it gives me a sense of, of great satisfaction. Definitely. Um, I feel like a positive attitude is definitely something that is very important to you. And as we all know, the sport can be full of lots of ups and downs. So how do you maintain a positive attitude through the hardest parts of the sport? That's, that's very difficult, especially when, when, you know, what I felt with this sport, it's, it's not very transparent often what's going on. And that has, that's really, um, that's really hard for me because I'm a business person. So, you know, usually if, if a product sells well, it means you get more space in the store. And so it's very, you know, A leads to B leads to C. Here it isn't like that a lot of times. A leads to F, you know, and, and you go, what happened here? So that has been extremely difficult for me to to deal with mentally. Hmm. But at this point, I um, I I just really enjoy the journey. And, and there's so many other things that has come to me that I didn't know of, you know, the, I get daily emails from people that are like inspired by my journey and also have started late in life or, or have family obligations like, like I do. And they say, Oh my God, I think of you every time I get on the horse. And so those types of things. So whether I really reach, you know, I, I always wanted to go to the Olympics and now I'm, if I would love to go to Paris, don't get me wrong, but if it doesn't happen, I'm good with that too. I'm, I'm just kind of going, you know, I'm just enjoying the journey. I'm loving the horses. I'm, I love that I have a passion I get up for every morning, even though I don't like to get up early. And I love I have something because so many people my age don't have anything they love and they get kind of lost. So I'm really, really, I'm, I'm really in a great place. Mm. What I also love about, you is that you are very much so an entrepreneur several times over and your more recent venture includes the very well-known Castel Denmark. So tell me a little bit about 
the brand and what kind of inspired you to start it? Because I don't think I've ever asked you what made you decide to start Castell. It was because I started, I sold the other company and now I was outside in the sun all day. It was in Reno, Nevada, and it was very, very hot and sunny. And six months in, I got skin cancer. And then the doctor said, oh, now you can't be outside anymore. You need to stay inside and wow. be really careful with this and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, 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 no. You're like, that's you don't not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have worked 25 years behind the desk to do this. This is my dream. So you're not taking that away from me. So I started looking for clothing, couldn't really find anything. Everything looked like a beekeeper. And mm. that's when I started researching material. And that took me a year and a half. And then I launched it. And now everybody's pretty much riding with it. And I'm, it gives me such satisfaction to see that people love it. And especially young people when they wear it. I love I love that because I'm like, oh my God, maybe they won't have skin cancer. Oh yeah. That's so cool. Well, and I, I mean, you have such a cool variety of products, obviously your quarter zip sun shirts with all the, like the different patterns and stuff are amazing. Um, and they're so like you, you see one across the horse show and you know, it's Castell Denmark. So I love that you've still continued to be able to have that brand awareness. Um, but obviously all of your products are are very conscious of being sun protective, which um, for us, especially us Floridians, is obviously extremely important. From you know me having you know multiple businesses in the horse world and now just launching a new equestrian business, Ellsworth. Um, what is some advice that you have for me and other equestrian entrepreneurs um, to grow in such a specific niche and also grow when you are, you know, running other things and riding and, you know, spending multiple hours a day at the barn. How do you, how do you balance it all? How do you find time to strategize for that growth? You know, um, I love working and I love working hard. And I think that has been one of my things that, that has been very very good for me that it doesn't yeah, yeah. I don't mind if I have to work you know, till midnight I'll work till midnight yeah. I don't care and I also I'm up in the barn every single day seven days a week I I never quit I work seven yeah I, I just work seven days a week I work Sunday afternoon I just don't I just don't really like time off I kind of get anxious from not working and and so um so I think that just all those hours and just put in and if I don't if I don't work physically then I think about work and um and that's kind of what I've always done it's funny when my girls they always say to me oh mom know that you're doing this for you you're not no longer doing this for us and we don't want to work as hard hmm. and I think that's very I mean most people don't like to work that hard but I do yeah We've talked a lot about saddles and saddle fit on the podcast just because it's so important that you are using a saddle that really fits you and your horse, but especially your horse. It really does make or break the comfort level and the ability for the horse to perform at their best. And then having something that fits you is also really important for you guys to really work as a team. I love Voltaire Design. I've been wearing and using their saddles for 
probably over three years now. And I just think they have so many great qualities to them. They are a French made saddle. I ride in the Palm Beach, which is one of their classic jumping saddles. And I just love how flexible it is. It's one of the only flexible trees out there on the market. And it really allows for the horse's shoulder to stay really open, which I think is super important. If you want more information, visit their website to just learn about all of the design and innovation and performance that Voltaire Design can allow. So many top riders use Voltaire, and I feel like that really speaks for itself. So for more info, visit their website at VoltaireDesign.com. That's V-O-L-T-A-I-R-E design.com. Also want to mention that there is a limited special on 16 inch saddles. So make sure that you ask your local Voltaire saddle specialist about the deals on 16 inch saddles. All right, let's get back to the episode. I love that. And I think that that is, I think in when society maybe, maybe talks more about um, you know, there's such a, a push of self-care, which is, you know, important. Um, I also think it's good to like understand what works for you. And I feel very similar to you. I thrive on a a full day and a full schedule. I'm way more productive and way more energized when I am getting a lot done and kind of moving the needle in in my goals and my businesses and my riding and my training um than if i were to just like sit and have a free day it it that 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 seems more stressful to me it's it's just stressful i and then i love i love going on vacation sometimes you know where you have a couple of days and then right. but then i also move around constantly there and get exercise. And if it's more than that, then I kind of get anxious. I, I just really can't, can't sit still. And people always talk about work-life balance. And I think that's almost the world, the wrong way of looking at your life, because if you don't like your work, then of course you want the balance, but if you sure. love the work, then there is, that is, you want to do it all the time. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You want to do it all the time. And That's I love so writing and I love hanging out with my friends at the barn and I love seeing them in Castell and I love finding, you know, avenues for building and growing and, and all. And I just don't, I don't mind it one bit, but I do think that um, you, you have to have that in you. You have to be able to just outwork everyone else because in the end of the day, the grittiest people survive. I don't feel like I have any specific talent for anything. I'm I'm a very normal person. I was never very good in school. I don't have a good education. I don't, but I'm just, I, I, I've never really written, but I just, I'm just working harder at it than others. If you could go back in time and change one thing about your riding career, is there something that you would change? You know, it hasn't been that long, so. <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I would actually, there would be one thing I would change. I would, um, I would actually change that. I would buy younger horses earlier. I had no confidence in myself mm. being able, thinking that I could train anything. So I always tried to buy Finnish Grand Prix horses, and with Nintendo it worked, but there were so many it didn't work because it's so difficult. You buy them, then they go lame or something happens or they don't go as well or, right. you know. So if I had if I had had more confidence and more security in myself, I would have bought just bought 
you know, those three and four and five-year-olds earlier, trained them myself. And then now I'm finally there with the ones I've trained, but that's for sure something I would have changed. Yeah, that's awesome. What would you say is um, something that you are most looking forward to for the remainder of this year? I guess through, through the beginning of 2024, like the end of this year through the winter season. I cannot wait to get those horses into into the Grand Prix ring yeah. to ride another Grand Prix on on Zaplin or Botticelli or Federley. I mean, that would be just such a tremendous. I mean, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna cry because that would be such a tremendous accomplishment for me totally. to to you know to prove to myself that I can do it on someone else on Nintendo and this is my all my work. So that would be I'm definitely going to cry when that happens and that's oh. what I look forward the most. That's so special. I love that. And what's happening with Castel the rest of the year? Any new fun things around the bend? Yes, we're actually doing the um, surf and swim show in September here in Orlando. Wow. So I'm going to go up to that. So that'll be super fun. And then we're just going to continue to build in the golf industry and come out with more and more in the horse industry. Um, And I mean, our new collection has been very well received. So it's growing and going forward. That's so great. Um, You know, I have my husband is... a a low level pro, but we have really gotten into pickleball. It's there's like a huge pickleball community here (laughs) in Jacksonville. And I feel like you and I should work on a little pickleball line because I feel like that would go crazy. We need to do that. We need for a hundred percent to do that. That would be, (laughs) but I don't know how it would be different, but we have to talk. Yeah. I would love that. That would would be amazing. Right. I know. Let's let's put our heads together and do that. That would be so fun. What would you say is something that you are really passionate about in the horse world that you feel like people either don't know a lot about or don't talk enough about? I think that what has been the biggest obstacle for me has been the horse management. I think there is a lot of people or myself included that you don't really know how to manage a horse. And I think especially going from, you know, from one level to like fourth level to pre-St. George and I Mm. won. Very, very difficult for the horse. Very difficult to go for I won to the Grand Prix. And there's so many horses that are lost in that translation. And I think that's true for trainers and people. And really um, getting a schedule almost for the horses so that so did you know they need a couple of days off a week? You should only really ride them three, four minutes. You should have somebody video you while you ride so you don't override. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. you have trotted 10 minutes, you know, and now the horse is lame. And I just find it so difficult because you are you're riding the horse show in a lesson. The teacher doesn't ask you to walk. So if you don't stop the horse yourself, you are going to trot for 10, 15 minutes or canter right. and everything. And it's, it's, it's deadly for those horses and they go lame. And then I find it so difficult and it's so difficult to manage. And you constantly have to be on the, on the lookout for, for doing the right thing by the horses and feeding them right and chewing them right. There's so many things. And I don't think there's enough information about that out there. Mm. If you were going through that transition again, what would you find the most helpful? Like how could we work towards solving that problem? Do you think just like um, more information or guides from mm-hmm. professionals and, and more step-by-step type of thing? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think that would be great. Like a step-by-step, this is how you should warm up. I mean, it could even be like that. This is how you should warm up. 
few, you know, 10 minutes of walk, then a couple of minutes of trot. Don't walk, don't trot around for 15 minutes to warm right. up and, and then just a really targeted little hand of warm up and then go so that the horse is not out there for, mm. I mean, all the lessons are 45 minutes, which is, I think is terrible. You should mm. not be riding the horse that long. Mm. I mean, maybe a, one day a week you can do it, but sure. in general, it shouldn't, you should be riding, riding the horse maybe for 25 minutes. Right. And then the rest of the time you should just be out walking. You should be going for, you know, tour out in the, in the woods or, or something. Mm -hmm. So, but it's very, very difficult because the whole setup is set around the 45 minutes of a lesson, the, this, the, that. So you really have to kind of you tell your tell your trainer, I don't want a forty five minute lesson. Right. I want a twenty five minute lesson. You know, and yeah, and uh, but that's not really the setup. And the other setup is the uh, lessons every day for five days a week. I think that's way too much. Mm. You know, you do three days or two days, and you walk for a day, right. and then you do another two days, and then you walk for a day, and so you know you're always changing it up, always giving him a chance to recruit regroup. Mm -hmm. And but it's still hard. I mean, you still have lameness issues. You still, um, but it, I I feel like that that's a huge component of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think and that, that's nobody a great really point. talks about it. There is no nobody's really like saying, "Oh, not, now stop or now walk." Or, yeah, and the horse is like sweating, and they're like, and you see it in the warm ups at the big shows where you just go, "Oh my god!" And that horse is going in the ring. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I feel like there's all. I mean, in performance horses there's always that kind of pressure or worry that like the horses that you have in training are going to lose fitness or not be fit enough mm -hmm. to compete and I think the reality of it is they really um through things like trail riding and hills and walk and like a connected walk they can really keep so much of that fitness and muscle tone instead of, you know, like cantering laps or trotting for 10, 15 minutes, like you were saying. So I think that, I think that really like revisiting and looking at some more effective options um, instead of doing those kind of long rides that can be super wearing on their joints and ligaments. Exactly. Or, or you, you know, you do 15 pirouettes in, in yeah. a lesson. I mean, you should do maybe four. Yeah. And then and then walk and then you move on to something else. And I just feel like it's it's extreme, but it's so difficult because the whole system is just um fortunately I'm, I'm now with Lars Peterson and he kind of lets me do the lesson, but I also have it videoed almost every time. So I catch myself, you know, then I see how when the video stops. So I look at mm. it afterwards and I see, okay why did I go five minutes here? Did I walk in between? Did she just continue to video while I walked or, mm. or did, or did I really trot in Canada for five minutes? And sometimes I did trot in Canada for five minutes, which is my limit. But if I go to six, then I'm sick to my stomach, you know, then mm. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Mm. So, um, and especially in this heat, I really only do two, three minutes. Unfortunately, I've been able to keep it that way, but it's challenging. You're in the middle yeah. of something. You want to get those twos, you know? Right. But it's a, it's always better to not if you don't get them, just say, OK, I didn't get them. I'm just going to walk and try again. Right. It's always better. But you just want to get them before you walk. And, right. and meanwhile, you're driving the horse insane and in yourself and it's not going anywhere. So I think that's a, that would be a huge topic also for a lot of people that are maybe not living 
in a competitive area where they are all by themselves and they train alone and it's mm-hmm. so easy to be just trotting around or cantering around forever. Right. Yeah. That's such a great point. I love that. I think that that was, um, that's definitely not something that's talked about enough. Um, so thank you for shedding some light on that. <laughs> that's, I just know that I've had, and then, you know, it's also fun. Then you only have one horse, you want to ride it every day, but you really right. shouldn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. So today, Federley, she just walked around, you know, for a long rain in the, in the snuffle. And yesterday it was sapling and then I'll ride Sablin tomorrow and then Saturday he'll just have an easy day again so you constantly switch it up for them Mm -hmm. yeah I love that well Charlotte thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk about your riding your horses and Castel Denmark I think uh, what you're doing is so incredible I look up to you so much as a business owner and a professional and a rider I think that I I just love how you've really managed to fill your day with things that you really love. And that's something that I am always, you know, trying to, to try and do with my life too. So I love that. And I wish you all the best. I thank you so much, Bethany. I love it so much. And thank you for having me. And um, I'm humbled by, I saw all your other guest lists and I'm humbled that I'm, I've been able to join them. So thank oh, you. You belong up there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Have a great day. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.